Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who know if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but I can never do this alone. I'm joined tonight by my brother, Chris. Chris, what is going on, man? I'm chilling. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's summertime, but still working. And yeah, got a lot of kids. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we'll, we'll discuss that off air. If, if you are checking this out on YouTube, make sure you finesse that thumbs up button. Also, go ahead and hit that red subscribe. It goes a long way. Both are free, but it means a lot to us if you do that. If you want to really join the family, come on over to our Patreon so you can get behind the scenes content. You will not regret it. And you can always follow us across social media at in the black pdcst on facebook twitter and on instagram now this is our in between the line segment where we jump into though we have a conversation with those people those movers and shakers that are writers authors filmmakers and we get an understanding of what they're doing and what's on their mind and what's big in the industry uh we are joined by a very special guest this evening. Our guest this evening is an award-winning filmmaker, writer, and entrepreneur, and her latest film, My Father the Queen, shines a light on mental health in the black community, as well as what healing through that trauma looks like. Please help me give an incredible welcome to Miss, the incredible Miss Lisa Alexander. Miss Alexander, thank you for being on. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate this opportunity. Not a problem at all. Now we are familiar with you, but if you would please tell our listeners, tell our viewers a little bit more about yourself. Sure, I am a Los Angeles native, born and raised, who migrated to Houston, Texas of all places. Um, <laughs> it's where I am and it, it's been home for the past 20 plus years. So I've always been a storyteller and that showed up at a very young age, gave presentations that turned into me having a, a career in graphic design then moved into marketing and just started filming maybe about five years ago. And so the journey has taken me through all these different ways of telling stories and how to um, get people's attention and how to keep people from scrolling. You know, that's an art to get, stop the scroll. That's the, that's <laughs> yes, what we indeed. call it here in the studio. It's like, stop. how do we stop the scroll? So yes, indeed. Yes, that indeed. that's, that's been my career. It's always been some kind of storytelling, some form of st storytelling. And it's something that I truly love and I'm passionate about. Fantastic. Now, please, if you would, tell us about your latest film. I know that for those that may not know, you've started your career in documentaries, but this is an yes. actual feature film. So please Perfect. tell us more about My Father, the Queen. Sure. So it is a Black daughter's story about what it is to grow up with a closeted gay father and why his trauma then became her trauma because he wasn't able to give her what she needed. And so then we see how daddy issues, which know no gender, weave their way through every part of her life. She can't escape it. Everything always reflects back to this core issue of not being able to get what she needed from her father. So we take a look at her journey. We take a look at what healing looks like. And then we also look at her father. We look into his trauma 
and why he why would he choose to stay closeted? So the film does it spans the 70s, it spans the 80s, and even the 90s, and then we move into current day. And so we get to understand. That's my hope that by the end of this film, that we will have some understanding and that we can offer grace and that we can offer compassion to our family members, and that we would humanize black bodies regardless. I hope is, that we can humanize black bodies. Is this sure. based on true events? It is loosely based on my life, absolutely. So once I started writing, the characters kind of had their own story to tell, but it is loosely based on my life, yes. Hmm. I don't, I, I'm gonna ask this question and Chris, sure. I want you to go ahead and jump in. No problem. Creating a documentary is vastly, well, I won't say vastly, but somewhat different from creating a feature film. What possessed you to turn this into a story, right? Because there's a lot of people that go through trauma. Yes. There's a lot of people that go, that need yes. some healing. There's right. a lot of people that have these issues and not, not too many people say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna make a feature film out of this. So what possessed you to do that? I know too many people who are hurting and who are, I know grown women today that are still dealing with daddy issues. So I think it was um, a gentleman from Alpha, um, Black Alphabet. He was saying that, he says, Lisa, he was like, your film, what it does is it gives a place for people to heal. Women who are still hurting from fathers who have long gone and still had never got peace, never resolved anything. And so it's still an issue. You have grown folk walking around today still just as broken, still have unhealed spaces, still acting out 55, 60 years old and still acting out. Mm. Mm. So, so for you, when yes. you found out, so let's just let it be known, I'm gay, same gender loving. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for you, when I guess when you initially found out, since this is based, uh, this is based on you know, what mm -hmm. you experienced. Yes. So when you initially found out, how did you, how did you take on that journey? Like, how did you find out your 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 father's journey? Hmm. What was that process? So, my sister and I, she's passed away. Um, before Sorry she passed away. Um, she was, we were in our early thirties or so when we finally put two and two together, we were like, huh? And we start and, and we were like, oh, and so when we were talking to family members, they're like, y'all just finding that out. And it's like, mm -hmm. he never said anything. He never, we kind of had our, our suspicions, but he would, he would never admit to it. He would there were things that he would say that would just kind of like mm -hmm. make you mm -hmm. think and kind of go, okay. And so he, he never really came out and said, hey, this is who I am, mm -hmm. but he would, we, had to, we had to put two and two together. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I wanna make sure to word this correctly. Yes. Okay. How how did that make you ultimately make you feel in the initial instance of learning that that there was this part of your dad 
mm-hmm. that's existed all of your life that you had no, no idea. idea about? At first it was, it was just a, oh, okay. There was no, oh my God, my dad's gay. And there was no shame or, you know, I want to distance myself from him. I, I, my sister and I, we were both, okay, cool. You dating anybody? And it's like, but he would never want to talk about that part of his life. He was so just adamant about not talking about that, that part of his life. And that's kind of what that generation. So my father, who would have been a baby boomer, and especially the generation before him, we don't talk about things like that, and especially to our kids. And so my sister and I'm like, okay, no big deal. But he just wasn't in a place to, he wasn't healed enough to talk about it. And oftentimes, like, those that, that had to live through um, what, you know, what is often called the DL, um, in those times, like, it was it was a lot of, like, people were, I mean, people are still being killed, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't um, as easy to, to, to navigate the world. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, so uh, there's a lot of, I, I believe that, you know, not, you know, I know I've known a lot of men from that era and, you know, mm-hmm. forward. and um, that trauma will like, even when you, you realize that, okay, you can get married now, mm-hmm. you can date openly. Now your daughters accept you, like will accept your truth. Just, you know, can you say it? A lot of times they won't say it. A lot of times you have them to say, oh, that's my friend. And the thing is, a lot of there are many instances where family members are like, as long as you don't say it, mm. it's cool. Then they, then they can live mm. in that secrecy. They can live outside of that. They're they're mm. they're fine with. But the thing is, a lot of people they 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 want you to be in that space, and that's why a lot of times you, you see so many issues where people are like, well, they're putting it in our face. Da 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 da. Baby's already been there. It's just but that- you know, you, one of the interesting parts as you're as you're talking about that, Chris, is that I know a lot of I don't, not a lot. I, I don't want to be one of those people, but I do know quite a few older gay gentlemen that they are very much like it is who I am. It's not a big deal. I'm me first before I'm gay. So I don't even want to broach that side of my 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 makeup for lack of a better description mm-hmm. and they just live their life and i know that they've at least confided in me that they've had conversations with younger gay people where they want them to be more vocal more out there more open and they're like no nah, i'm just who i am i'm living mm-hmm. my life the way i want to live i'm not hiding but at the same time i'm not jumping out in the right. street as well mm-hmm. so when you make a film like mm-hmm. this miss alexander do you think that it's do you think that it's a positive and I, once again mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I mm-hmm. voice this correctly. You think it's a positive or can it be seen as a negative given the generation that your dad came from? Here's here's what I know to be true. At in the 60s or 70s at my father's, you know, during that time of his life, he was a young man in his 20s, right? There was no option. I, we, we, we say he chose to be closeted, but did he really have a choice? Because in that mm-hmm. time period, mm-hmm. if you were out and trying to be loud and proud, that impacted your money. Who was going to hire you? 
who, where would you live? Because you couldn't, you couldn't find a place to live. Not if you were out loud and proud and had a boyfriend, who was going right. to rent to you? Right. And then your very safety. We, if it's an issue now, imagine what the issues could have, what they were back in, you know, in the sixties or the seventies. And so yeah. we say it was a choice to be closeted, but what did he really have a choice? No, and so I understand. And so what, what I want for this film to do is to create understanding about people of that generation, our fathers, our mothers, and understand the context context of where they grew up and all the things that were available to them. So one of the big components to the film is this mental health piece. And I like to tell my Gen Xers, I like to tell my millennials, it's like, please don't judge. I'm a Gen Xer, please don't even judge me or my, my parents or the baby boomers on freedoms that you do have, because now it is okay for black folk to go to therapy and to talk about it. It's still, you know, still in some communities, it's still a little iffy, but for yeah. the most, for the most part, we've said it's okay. It's not just for white folk anymore. We can go ahead and talk to some people and work through our issues and our trauma, but don't, you can't, you can't even judge me because I didn't even have the opportunity to come to therapy and get some of these issues resolved. It wasn't what, 2000s, 2010, when it finally became somewhat okay to, you know, what was it, um, living single, when Khadijah went to therapy, you know, we had <laughs> right. those kinds of introductions where we, we were right. starting to normalize going into therapy. And so you can't judge them because, mm. so part of the story is, so you have Carolyn, who is Walter's wife, those are the, that's, that's the father and that's the wife, who could Carolyn have gone to to talk about what she experienced? Hmm. She finds out that her husband is gay. Who is she going to talk to? Where is she going to get help from? Hmm. At the time in the 70s, you take yourself to church. You go pray yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. So I, I had this new respect for both of my parents. For my mother, it's like, I, it's like, for the decisions that she made, for how she found ways of coping, because what I don't know what I would do if, to find out it's like all of a sudden my husband is gay, he has a preference for men. So that that impacts your womanhood. And it's like, well, what is wrong with me? Yeah, all of a sudden, it's not like you went into it going knowing that this was a situation. Absolutely. And, and then the wonder is so, is he gay or is he, you know is he gay or is he bisexual? So a lot of times, mm -hmm. um, people once they find out someone is gay and they have dated men, maybe they have mm -hmm. dated um, they've dated men, but they're yeah also have dated women or what have you. Like sometimes the situation is like that person is gay. Like I I've known somebody who um, had a wife, had a mm -hmm. kid, had a child, and one day he said, I'm not, I'm not, I can't deal with it anymore. And he left. Right. Um, so the, 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 so I am to assume that, you know, he's gay, you know what I'm saying? And that's what it was. Right. But sometimes it's not so much like, okay, I was faking it. You mm -hmm. know, I never loved you or what have you. It's like, I love both. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people can't comprehend that. And like you said, back in the, back in those days, yeah. of course, not nah, like what, Polly, like you heard about Polly, and sometimes you know even stuff like that, but it wasn't. It was especially the black community. Now nah, you're yeah. not hearing. Nah, you weren't talking about that. Exactly. No, so, not at all. So it's like the you know, 
now to be able to have those conversations, right? Like I can see this being, I personally can see this being a positive thing because a lot of times the youth, like me growing up, I didn't have too many people that I could look up. Like what, what was on TV? Well and Grace? I'm a black oh, man. I'm a, yeah. I'm a black boy. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> so, you know, that's all we had. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, and I'm like, that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. look at me. Like, for me, I was affiliated with the ballroom scene or whatever. So, and I had friends, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, that folk and this kind of thing. But those, I, there was one friend in particular, it was a set of friends in particular that, that actually taught me what it was to be a gay man, you know, growing yeah. up and things that, like we grew up together. You know what I'm saying? We did the club scene or whatever, but that's I was on the chat line, which should have been on the chat line. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. what who who was to teach me? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's it's still needed. We mm-hmm. need films like yours to show, like, okay, look, this yeah. is what the past look, this is what people experienced in the past. Baby, a lot of times it ain't so so it ain't that different. <laughs> you the same thing you dealing with with him. He dealt with him, and those stories need to be told because we have people like that are getting older, you know, what they call like silver foxes. We have them that's getting older, and you know, their stories aren't being told. So, we Mm. need people to have those conversations. The younger generation, like me personally, I want something to be able to, like, okay, look, young man, child, this is because some there are gay kids. (laughs) I was (laughs) right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, and like you said, that mental health piece, like yes. all of that, you know, how it affected, you know, the children, how it affected the wife, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, to be like, how do you cope with that? How mm-hmm. do you resolve, you know, all these, these, these unresolved mm-hmm. issues? So, that's, that's a very, that's a very good point, Chris. So I'm going to ask to piggyback off of that. I'm going to assume the way you've, the way you've spoken so far, I'm going to assume that your father is no longer with us. Is that correct? No, he is very much so alive. Okay, okay. I apologize. I'm not trying. Very to, much so. No, no, no. I'm it's not a, trying it's, to expedite. I'm not I'm, trying to expedite I'm, his I'm exit. Happy. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm glad that that's the case. So, yeah. I want you to please go a little bit more into how you started and are going through your healing process as this mm-hmm. information as this became news to you. So. My father and I, we are estranged currently. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's not, it has nothing to do with who he is, right? It, it, that has nothing to do with it. And so what I know for sure is that healing, we all have to pursue peace and healing and we all have to work out our own issues, right? And so if it comes to a point where you're not willing to work on you, then some decisions and some choices have to be made. So, mm-hmm. so my healing process is it's over time. It's over time because I had to, I, what I realized my good bohemian friend, she told me this way. She says, Lisa, you asking that man for a dollar and he don't have a dollar to give you. And you mad that the man don't have a dollar to give you find somebody else to give you a dollar or give yourself a dollar. Oh. <laughs> what can <laughs> well said. Well said. If I don't have it, he didn't have, and mm. it's been, 
And so, and so I, I began to understand. So once I started to unpack, like when my mother passed away, she, my mother did pass away. She passed away about seven years ago. Thank right. you. And so when she passed away, then every, it start, things started to click for me. And I started to understand some things. And she told me some things before she passed. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hmm. I, 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 I see now and I'm starting to understand. And so if he was never able to get what he needed, if he was never able to live authentically, then what, what bandwidth did he have to parent me in the way that I needed to be parented, in a way that my sister and I, that we needed to be, he didn't have it to give. Mm. And so what do you do? So you start this healing journey and it's like, okay, I'm, a, I'm even though we are not currently in, in relationship, I am able to offer him grace. I am able to offer him forgiveness. I wish him well, I wish him peace and healing above all things, you know, so I, I really want that for him. But until then, I'm over here and he over here. Cause I, for me, it's like, I just, I have, I paid a high price for this peace. I will fight you for it. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. I will, I will fight you for it. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's like, I, so one of the things that I tell people, and it's like, I, even though I understand his hurt and his trauma, it does not negate mine. I say it doesn't That's negate good. mine. One thing that I usually, and I tell my kids this specifically my son, because I have one of the most poignant things that you've said so far is that daddy issues do not have a gender. No. I think no. that every man in some capacity is in the footsteps of his father, whether mm -hmm. they are running away from it because you don't want to follow the same footsteps or your father is such a great person that you, you strive to fail. And to fail mm -hmm. You don't want to fail walking in it. With that being said, your daddy issues, these daddy issues that you've talked about and formulated into this film mm -hmm. has producing this film, has making this film helped you to resolve some of them. Yeah. So thankful for therapy and journaling because those things, mm. absolutely. There's no way I could have approached this film in an unhealed state if I was still having issues or such severe, mm -hmm. because what I know about healing is that healing has layers, right? So it's like an onion. You can peel back layers and it's like, okay, I'm good. And it's like, yes, we're doing real good. And then you find it's like, oh, but there's some more layers that we have. So it's, a, it's an ongoing process. It's mm -hmm. not raw like it was 10, 15 years ago. No, there's been some levels of healing. And so, yeah, um, it took time to even write the story because at first truth i was going to write it as a novel i, I start i have i have the isbn number for it in case i ever want to go back to it wow, and write wow, a novel wow, wow. this started out as a novel and i got the title first and it's like okay the, i was i was minding my own black business when i got the name of the it was like hmm that's good i have no idea what i'll do with it and then as I, my healing journey was getting better and I was progressing, so I started writing the novel, but I got in trouble because I was trying to write the adaptation to the screenplay, to the film, at the same time as writing the novel. Don't do that. That's... That's you were just trying to put you were just trying to put too much on your back. You were trying to put too much on your back. I don't know what you were thinking. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> so I had somebody 
talk some sense into me. And it's at least say if you're just really passionate, if you're passionate about the film version of this, go ahead and do that. You can always come back and write the novel. If you're if you're led, you can always come back and write it. Mm, mm, it mm. Hey, it's your story. Do what you want to do. Um, so I, I wrote the screenplay. And after I learned how to format a screenplay, because that's a whole thing. I am no stranger to writing. I've written books, articles, blog posts, all the things. Writing a screenplay? Yeah, it's a totally different beast. Yes, mm. it is. So mm. that took mm. a minute. But I, I was healed enough that I could I could do this work. And so I would start, I would write the novel, I would write pieces of it, put it down and come back to it. It's like, ah, that's enough for this time. Hmm. Write some more. So there was even a healing process in writing the, trying to write the novel piece. But then as my healing progressed and, you know, things happened and it was like, oh, I got this. And so what happened, the beautiful thing, what happened is when I was writing out the characters and like I said, it's loosely based on my life, right? So some of the premises are the same. But once I started writing, the characters had their own stories to tell and they evolve in such a way. It's like, no, that's not me. It's like, mm. it's my, you know, my daddy issue, but you know, the way she's acting out isn't, I would me, you know, it. yeah, mm. that kind of thing. Same thing with, um, you know, it, with my, uh, with my mom, because Carolyn is based loosely based on my mom, but uh, Carolyn goes, she had her own story to tell. And so hmm. that that's the beauty of storytelling. You know, it does, you know, you don't have to put out all your dirty laundry for everybody to see, you know, that wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't a part of what I needed to do. These, these, these characters really did have their own story and it was, just, they just needed to come through me. So I would type. And one of the funniest things is like, I know how this story goes. I know how it ends. Right. And there's this one scene and I'm typing and I'm typing and just boohooing and crying. And it's it's like Lisa, you know how this goes. You you you're writing this, just crying at the scene. That's it. Was, it was it's amazing. Therapy, wow. like yeah. it's, it's therapeutic within the, within itself. Yeah. 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 I did. All right. Putting together this film, I know, has to have been a lift, and I don't use that facetiously, and I don't use that lightly. How have you been able to manage making this film? putting it together, especially coming from doing documentaries originally. Right. So I, I don't do this alone. And I, I told my team, I said, if I am the smartest person in the room, we are all in trouble. It's going to go to hell in the handbasket. And so thankfully, I have people around me who are experts in what it is that they do. Because again, coming from documentary, going into feature film is kind of a different animal, just a little different. And so I have a producing partner, Catherine J. Hatam, who is absolutely brilliant. Um, Brandon James, who's my, um, my director of photography, we've worked together on a couple of documentaries and some other projects. So I, tr I trust him completely with this piece to bring it to life and we work together well. And so I've assembled a great crew and team, people that I know, like, and trust, because that's one of the rules in business, do business with people you know, like, and trust. Yeah, yeah, Indeed. yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed. What would you say one of the biggest hurdles or challenges has been putting this film together though? Because you've, you've talked about it. Okay, okay, because I was about to Funding. say, the way you've been talking about it is like it was really, it's been really smooth so far, so I didn't want to jump to conclusions. Everything so far has been beautiful. Even 
we have a stellar award-winning choir that is signed on to the project. So we get to use, yes. use their music. You know, this fabulous choir out of Chicago. So for all my church babies, if you know the song, um, Work It Out, Jesus Can Work It Out, that yeah. choir. Okay. Hey. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, because that song... Yes. That's a that's a house song. Like we used to, we used to, we used to ah, we used to, oh ah, yeah, that, okay. they, the remix. Oh yeah, that. Oh, that went, let me that tell goes you hard in the pain, as they say. That, that, yeah, that's let me tell you, mm -hmm. the way the way so because so many of them, so many people went to church, right? I mean, I sing at a church or whatever, but you yeah. know, that's not my spiritual path. But yeah. um, a lot of people there, they're like really heavy into church, and a lot of times. In the club, I'm, I promise you, like in the club, we will have some religious experiences yes. in the club. And I, that. I was people that aren't used to the club scene. They're probably like, oh, my God, they're dancing. Da, 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 da. Baby, God don't stop at the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. I get people it. Have circles. People lay hands. Yes. Like, it's it happens. You've seen. Have you seen this prom picture? Um, video that goes where they decide to have a shout session, praise session at the prom. Mm -hmm. Oh, they went in. I'm like, well, all right. Oh, yeah. Hey. Excuse me, what? Yes. You have yeah. not seen this video? They went, them children yeah. set it off in there. Mm -hmm. Yes, they did. Yes, they I, did. Let me tell you, I've had some, some experiences. I didn't know exactly what it is. Like, now that things have happened or whatever, mm -hmm. virtually or whatever, um, I, I, I know what to call it, right? Yeah. But yeah, like I said, God don't stop at the door. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. No. Yeah. Have you gotten any pushback about making this film, whether through family members or whomever? No. It's I, really I, been all smooth sailing. You you out here putting your family business out there. Nobody wanted to jump on your back about this. Well, okay. So you have to. Mama passed. My sister passed away. So we were a small mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Who gonna check me, boo? Who gonna check me? Why you? Why you gotta? You always adding yeast to everything. <laughs> I already knew. <laughs> so she said, <laughs> "Okay, okay." You and and I know you said that you're estranged, but yes. you haven't spoken to your dad about this process no. at all. No. Mm. no. So he's not aware. And he has no idea. He might because I am stalked. He might. So he just gonna see this film like everybody else. And yeah, he'll see it like everybody else if he chooses mm -hmm. to do so, mm -hmm. if he chooses to do so. And my and so, like I said, it's loosely based. So the mm -hmm. premise, okay, but it's. So I will say that there are some historical moments in our film. So remember, you were just talking about how we need to teach the younger generation about mm -hmm. you know what that process was and what it was like truly in the seventies and the eighties and nineties. And so mm -hmm. you know, I have an uncle who died of AIDS in the nineties at the height of the AIDS epidemic, right? Mm -hmm. So what I know to be true is that AIDS affects as everything. AIDS impacted the black community a little differently than it did for the white folk, Indeed. right? Indeed. Okay. So you had people like Jewel Thais Williams, who owned the only gay nightclub in Los Angeles called Jewel's Catch, or Catch One. It was Jewel's Catch One was the name of her organization, of her bar. And mm -hmm. so she, as her clientele began to die because of AIDS, she was there. She did a documentary. She was there holding hands of people of her clients that died. She would be family for those who wouldn't come to come see them. 
and so have family and so i built that into this story as well so jewel becomes um she becomes an ally to kelly the daughter and begins to tell her and unfold walter's story things she didn't know so i bring i bring all of that into it so that's to say that yeah, that's why it's loosely based, mm-hmm. just loosely based, because there was a there was a bigger story to tell. Mm. There was such a bigger story to tell. There was um, just again, what choice did you have in the seventies, both for the Carolyn and the Walters? What choice? What choice did you have? I tell people quite often when people are like, "Oh, Dio, this is this, this, who created the who created Dio." We didn't, the gay community didn't create that. No. Others created that. Yeah. And we, you had to act accordingly because, like you mm-hmm. said, you couldn't get back no, a house, a how job. You gonna live? How you going to live? You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it literally, people will fire you if they, quote unquote, like, you know, queer was a was a harsh word before that. Like, right. Now, you know, we <laughs> taking that over. <laughs> They mad. Oh, they yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, but like, people are like, oh, he's queer, or I suspect you, but you're not queer, are you? Yeah, then, just a job. He's queer. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, yeah. like it's once again, it's needed. It's mm. and so that's again. So it's it's a, a loosely based. Again, there is a much greater story that needs to be told, and. Again, so I I I I'm I don't lie when I say I do I pray for my father on a regular that he would mm. you know that he would really pursue peace and healing that 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 mm. would really be his because he's had a lot of trauma in his life a lot of trauma mm. and stuff I'm not even aware of that he would never talk about just right. things that I've been able to piece together and it's like oh my god and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. and the thing is how powerful would it be to actually have a sit down open conversation to fill in fill in the, the, the piece they fill in the gaps yeah. yeah but it's like it's that generation again because my mom my mom was closed mouth too and it's like so mm. when she would just tell me certain things and it's like so now now that everybody's gone mama's gone nana brown's gone you know all, all these people and it's like now i gotta go mm. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, one plus so. one one plus one is two one and one, <laughs> yeah, one, and one is two and it's What's like that? Hmm, you know hmm it's like, oh, oh like, mm. Mm. So, so now that I'm good and grown, you know, because mm. there's something when you get good and grown and you see some things and you experience life, you go. That's what that was. Yeah, that's, what, that's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> okay. Really? So, okay. I'm going to ask you this and hopefully we can and we can wrap it up after this. Sure. But I really have to ask this question. With all of the effort with all of the trauma, with all of the healing mm. that you are putting into this film or that you've put into this film, yes. what is the one singular thing that you want someone to walk away from this film knowing or feeling? One thing, huh? You got to have at least one takeaway when you break out of the movie theater. So I have what is that five. one thing? So- <laughs> I have five. You know, I, I told I told I told someone else this and it is still my truth. So I want a theater experience, right? So I want it to be shown in the theaters. So at the end of the movie, when the credits roll, I want silence in the theater. 
I want it to be bone chilling quiet because I want people to then sit back and then process what did I just see? And why am I feeling some kind of way? And just, just sit there in that moment and feel what you're feeling and then maybe begin your own healing journey. Or then maybe you sit in that theater and you go, you know, I need to forgive some folk or I need to show some grace and compassion to some people because now I understand a little bit better. I have a better insight. You know, I have context into which to put people in instead of just, you know, these are the people that hurt me and then that's it. See them in a greater context. Again, it doesn't mean that what they did doesn't, it doesn't negate your own hurt, but then I can understand kind of why you were the way you were and what you did and how you didn't have a dollar to give me, even though I was demanding a dollar yeah, from you, I then I can, I want people to sit in that theater and process. Don't applaud yet. I want you to process. Mm. Applaud hmm. later. Go watch, download it once you get to the house and the streaming and all that. Do that by the merch. I want you to process. And I, I my hope is that we can become more tolerant can you say that yeah. that it yeah. really allows people to see, you see people differently that you would use a lens of grace and compassion mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of this automatic thing that we tend to do with people mm -hmm. that are unlike ourselves yeah because mm -hmm. miss yeah. I... hmm. lisa alexander thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and top it up with us. We can't say thank you enough. For our audience, please, where can they find you if they'd like to find you, support you, find the film, all of that wonderful stuff? Sure, they can go to lisanalexander.com. Now there are about 2.6 billion Lisa Alexanders currently <laughs> on the planet. So I am differentiated by the initial N, letter N is in Nancy, lisanalexander.com. That'll take you to myfatherofthequeen.com. That'll take you to This Woman Knows, all the things that I have my hands in. And then of course, you can always go to myfatherofthequeen.com. Do you have any other projects in line now that you've finished? this film but this film is not finished we are fundraising to go into production okay we, fundraising we are my, having to taking meetings and okay. Okay. shaking all the trees okay so if people so if people want to donate some coins to this effort whether it's small time yes. big time in between they can go to lisa and uh lisa and alexander.com and do those do those things is that right absolutely there are either myfatherthequeen.com either one of those sites you'll be able to reach out to me thank fantastic, you fantastic chris where can people find you and your fantastic self if they'd like to find you man uh so me um i'm a part of a podcast another podcast called i love nerd life so you can find us at i love nerd life on youtube uh we have an instagram page, instagram page and things of that nature also um i have a instagram av sterling 81 and i can boo at 81 a-k-i-n b is a boy u-w-a uh 81 on ig 
So fantastic, fantastic. And I am Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. And if you really want to become part of the family, once again, come on over to our Patreon, become a member. You will not regret it. But until next time, as always, inform intelligent in the black peace